Hello and welcome to Between the Mountains, where we talk about your adventure travels from backpacking to expeditions. I'm your host, Chris, and today we welcome Melissa Miller from MissRover.com or Miss.Rover on Instagram, as you may know her. It was really great to have a bit of an interview with her, chat to her about her upbringing, her background, why she does what she does, some really great answers. I hope you enjoy it. And if you do, then please consider hitting the subscribe button or the follow button and share it with a friend. But otherwise, let's just dive straight into it. So hello, Melissa. Welcome to the podcast. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. So for those who don't know, in her own words, Melissa dabbles in so much and it's hard to get a black and white description. Yet it seems that she brings a well-needed positive outlook and a take on everything that she does. Coming from rural Michigan, Melissa has a master's degree in occupational therapy, a love of the outdoors and arguably a bigger love for conservation and protecting our nature. Since, as she says, escaping Michigan, Melissa has spent three years in Seattle, five months in Alaska, and four months ongoing in California, which is quite an eclectic habitat resume. She has ticked 17 US national parks off her list to complete all of them, and has been across the globe from Costa Rica to Thailand. You can catch her updates, wonderful blog entries, and fantastic photography on her Instagram, miss.rover, and on missrover.com, which features said blogs, itinerary, ideal itineraries, and one of her features, Going It Alone, which is a collection of stories of women that have faced it solo. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate your time today. Dang, thanks for that intro. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like I, like I said before, it should be on Star Wars credits going up the yes. screen. I'll add <laughs> totally. the YouTube one, <laughs> if, if there is one. But, um, <laughs> but yes, so you've previously stated that you felt trapped in Michigan. So how free are you feeling these days? Oh, definitely a lot more free. The The Midwest is totally different uh, than anything I've experienced on the West Coast. So West Coast has been really freeing for me, especially with a job that allows me to travel. Yeah, for sure. So starting right as a kid, I'm interested to know your trip to Niagara Falls with your parents, what effect did that have on your passion for the outdoors today? I, I appreciate all the camping trips my parents took me on. Most of our vacations were piling in the van, going to the campground, usually with a lighthouse or a waterfall or something. So, yeah, I think that definitely gave me an appreciation early on. Yeah, because I, I, I remember it was that post and another one I saw on Instagram that you were basically saying how like bloody beautiful waterfalls are and how they can just <laughs> yes. bring a lot to you as a person. So, mm-hmm. And I was thinking... I, do you think it paired well with that travel bug first flight ever to San Francisco to see your uncle? Absolutely. Yeah, my family has been very supportive with travel. Mm, which always helps. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so jumping to now, I heard you on another podcast saying you chose your degree at 17 before you knew who you really were. And we're talking before this recording. Um, which is take two. Um, and I can massively relate with this. Um, so I'm interested to know, now that you do have a master's degree in occupational therapy, how do you make this work for you and your passions? Well, I'm really lucky that I have the opportunity to do travel therapy, which allows me to go into kind of high need areas and do three to six to however long uh, 
month to year contracts. So it really allows me to travel in between and during my placements. Yeah, which is pretty cool. Although I, I heard you yeah. saying elsewhere that you can't really take time off because you're, and I've been there before, yeah. you're kind of contracting. Right. So yeah, they're, they're bringing you on because they are high need. So it's, you basically sign your contract saying like, I will not take any vacation. So I kind of live more for the in-between moments because I, I don't really wake up for my job, but it does give me the freedom to do what I want um, in between and on the weekends. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a single dad and I, um, I use the term weekend backpacking. So, cause I can't <laughs> go away for months on end to Southeast Asia. I call it weekend backpacking. So, so I, I still pack a backpack for three days, but I go away somewhere. Totally. Enjoy that. So, yeah. That's great. So starting out traveling, you fought against people placing limitations on you, primarily the whole a solo female can't travel alone thing. So many of us deal with adversity in our lives. I'm interested to know how you go about managing this and staying focused on what you want to do. Totally. Yeah. So I, I try to really surround myself with resources and people that are doing things that I'm striving for or, you know, people that are also breaking down barriers. So it's easy on social media to, you know, find people that inspire you and kind of surround yourself with those people and also family and friends that are supportive as well. For sure. And um, as someone who has a four-year-old daughter, I just mentioned I'm a single dad um, and, and it makes traveling difficult, but also <laughs> I want the best for her. And I've got a close friend who's a solo female traveler too. I absolutely adore the going it alone project. And I was wondering what your reasons and your drives were for, for taking that on board. Yeah. So when I went on my trip to Alaska solo, I got so much pushback leading up to that trip. Like, oh, you shouldn't travel alone as a female. You should bring a gun. Like, what are you doing? Are you, are you bringing a man with you? Just, it just drove me crazy. And then, so that kind of started the idea. And then I started reaching out to other women um, and it turned out they had similar experiences or had not traveled solo because of fears and not knowing how and not having really female support or other support to feel like they could do it yeah I think like we were saying it's it's um a stigma that still exists today that females can't travel alone and yet there are so many out there that do so it's brilliant to be bringing a focus onto the the positive because it's happening anyway so why live right. in the 1950s when and say that no you can't do it I mean yeah it, you know, my degree is in criminology, so it, it is mm. uh, more dangerous for females, but that doesn't mean you're guaranteed totally. to be hurt. In fact, there's still a very low chance, right. especially the more you mitigate. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. I agree. And I like that you took, you, you did it. It's, yeah, it's fantastic. So yeah. similar to you, I'm an extrovert that loves traveling with people, but I also desperately need me time and to just get <laughs> away. And I'm wondering, how do you balance traveling solo? with traveling with a partner or a group? So my trips, whether I travel with someone or without, it really just depends on whether there's people that want to come with me or can afford the vacation time and all that. Um, I prefer to travel with people. If I am traveling with people though, like you said, you need some alone time. So it's, it's really like communicating up front with people and either scheduling in like days where we do our own thing or maybe we do like, you know, yoga in different areas and like just chill or like have a morning to ourselves. You know, I think that's really important. 
Yeah, so you can kind of get the best of both worlds. You don't just have to go on your own. Right. For sure. And I suppose it's helpful going with people that don't get awkward at the conversation of, oh, I'm just going to go do something on my own. Right. Communication is everything. (laughs) So you once listed your favourite quote um, as, to live is the rarest thing in the world. Most people exist. That is all. And that's by Oscar Wilde, if anyone would like to know. Keeping this in mind, at the end of 2018, you said you want your goals to be uncomfortable. And is that still something that you keep as a focus moving through the weeks and months following? Totally. Yeah, I that's that really brought back a lot of memories saying that because that's probably from an older blog post. But yeah, I feel like that's been something I've, I've been striving for constantly. Like my trip up to Alaska really, you know, did that for me. And moving to California, Northern California, where I have nobody, no support group here. You know, it's, it's been a constant, um, yeah, constant. But I feel like it's becoming more, more comfortable though. <laughs> so I guess I need to maybe figure out, reevaluate some goals. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, so, uh, I'm going to paraphrase because if I try and remember, I'm going to butcher it, but there's a, there's that saying that goes along the lines of push yourself and, and you know, what's, one of them, my friend said it to me one day, but it was in reference to him driving like an idiot. So I didn't really buy into it. But he was saying, you should do one thing that scares you each day. And I, was, and I could think it's that's not quite live. drifting around a corner. But, but maybe I get not. What you mean. Yeah. yeah. Maybe within a reasonable means. And I was wondering, in regards to uncomfortable goals, I was wondering, would you be happy to share like an example of one of those things that have been uncomfortable for you, but you've, you've gone out and done it? Yeah, I mean, definitely backpacking solo. I It was one of those things that I was putting off that I knew I needed to do to challenge myself. And I kept saying, oh, you know, maybe after I get another year of backpacking under my belt, I'll do it. And I was kind of forced into that uh, situation, to be honest. My friend that was supposed to meet up with me backpacking bailed last minute. And I was sitting in my car like, I don't know, do I just, do I just car camp? Do I just sleep in my car? Do I go do it? What do I do? And I was like, Ugh, let's just go do it. So I just, I just went and I did it and I was so anxious, <laughs> but then I did it again the night after that. Like I, I kept going, I drove to another trailhead and backpacked for another night and it, it was, it was hard. It was uncomfortable, but I am so glad I did that and pushed through it. For sure. For sure. So when you're spending prolonged time away from home and multiple back to back Christmases away from family, how do you cope when feeling homesick? I don't feel homesick very often. (laughs) I am in regular contact with my family. And so I honestly feel like we're closer now than when I was living at home. We talk more consistently on the phone. We do video conferencing, all that stuff. So it it just doesn't really ever feel like I'm missing out on anything or that I've, you know, been away for that long because, yeah, I feel like we're even closer now. That's fantastic. On that similar note, I like how you started your blog initially to keep your friends and your family updated on your travels. How important do you think it is, though, that people pause reading for a moment and actually get out of their comfort zones and go and travel? Yeah, I I think it depends on, you know, whether they have the drive to or not. But But I agree, you know, I feel like a lot of the time we are spending time reading about people and places that we wish we could go to and experience similar things and not really making it happen. Um, 
So uh, yeah, I think if something inspires you and you wish you could do it, that you should make a plan and do it. Yeah, for sure. And, and there's always that frustration where, especially at time of recording this, we're in the uh, lockdown, um, or, or I think uh, Washington, I think is starting to come out of it, um, and California maybe too. Um, but uh, there's so many people sharing, oh, you know, Bali, wish I could be out in Bali and, uh, you know, these luxury <laughs> places for cheap. And it uh-huh. is frustrating because I wish they would go out, but there are so many people I know who are too busy spending their money every Saturday night at the same club, and yet they'll they'll wish to go to Bali, and one night could have bought them the plane ticket. <laughs> so true. That is such a good point, yeah. And I think this time of lockdown is really kind of making people aware of some of those things, like, oh, wow, that's what I did every weekend, and, like, look at how much money I'm saving by not doing that, and also, like, what do I want to do with my life? <laughs> I feel like a lot of people are having a lot of time of reflection and goal yeah. changing. Yeah, it's nice positives in a chaos, chaotic situation. Yeah. But um, but yeah, I think that's the difference between motivation and drive too. Motivation, I think, is when you finish watching uh, an inspirational speech and you're like, yeah, I'm going to go do it. But that mm-hmm. will die off, I think, after a while. It's the drive that I think makes you leave your rural, rural village and go to the other side of the country so yeah absolutely so what's one thing that travel bloggers focus too much on and what's one thing that they don't focus on enough I think with travel blogging it can be so easy to get caught up in like what would do well what is clickbait you know what what do people want to see and uh, and kind of lose your in- original intentions of, of travel blogging. <laughs> and also another struggle too, I mean, is, is just like, do I geotag? Do I, you know, let people know every single location I've been to? If some of them are, you know, I've done my research, I've taken time to like really plan out a backpacking trip. And now, you know, and it's a area that's really prone to erosion or something. It's like, do I tell these thousands of people where I went and, you know, expose this place to the masses. <laughs> yeah, I, I saw one good tip. I think it was, I think it was from Vagabond Hearts on Instagram. Uh, and she She's said, great. yeah, uh, and she said that if you just did a bit of re- uh, research, you could find where I went. So I think maybe making, so they could do more of, or maybe you, won't, you, could, you could, the answer could be both maybe, less geotagging, but more, if you Google, I found this on the first page of a result. <laughs> that sort right. of thing. Yeah, um, that's actually a good idea to like make a blog post on on how to go about finding places. <laughs> you know, yeah. educate people on doing their own research. Because it's maybe it's a bit like being given five thousand pounds to spend or earning five thousand pounds to spend. If you research it, you are going to pick up your litter and not leave a trace. But if you just get given it, maybe you'll just add it to a trip and you won't really care too much. And like you just said, an area that's prone to erosion will not sustain that. So true. Mm -hmm. So on this podcast, we usually invite people on to talk about their travels. And we're doing an episode or two after this, which we'll we'll plan (laughs) out properly afterwards. But... um, (laughs) But briefly, tell us how Canada was for you, road tripping your way to your new home in Alaska. Yeah, Canada was amazing. I I had been eyeing Banff like most people, Banff National Park, for a long time. You know, you see those pictures everywhere. Um, 
And I recently did a vlog on it. Woo. <laughs> but that, I mean, that trip was kind of my first taste of really like being on the road alone and kind of spontaneous, like meeting up with people that I didn't plan on meeting up with. And I, I just, the Canadian Rockies are absolutely gorgeous. And I just, it's crazy how accessible it is too for people. Like most of the spots that I went to take pictures were walk-up spots. So it's, it's breathtaking out there. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm always interested in self-fulfilling prophecies, which you will very likely know of. But for anyone who doesn't, uh, in a nutshell, it's basically like like labeling. You say something will happen and then it does. So mm -hmm. what was your thought process and drives for committing to Alaska and making the move before getting a job there? Oh, man, that's a tough one. I <laughs> I feel like a lot of my ideas are sometimes I can't like think of why I'm doing it but I just stick with it because I don't know if it's stubbornness or what but um, I think my decision to go to Alaska I had been in Washington for a few years now and that was you know my original intent was to keep traveling and not just you know land at the first spot and settle down so after three years had passed in Washington I was like you know <laughs> maybe I would like to try somewhere else or see you know do do something that not a lot of people do and I felt like Alaska was kind of that like next frontier for me <laughs> and so I, I just I mean it was kind of after like honestly going through a rough patch of dating too and it was just like this is this is terrible I'm just gonna move and so <laughs> I decided to what I did <laughs> knew me who dis <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and um I'm with Sort of with that situation in mind, I was wondering if you could practice your occupational therapy internationally, how soon would you be booking a flight to New Zealand? Oh my gosh, <laughs> I would have done that years ago. <laughs> that's possible. Yeah, and you know, it might. I'm. I've been learning that it might be possible in Australia. I'm not totally sure on the logistics, and I truly haven't had time to look into it. But that would definitely interest me. Yeah, for sure. So one day I, I have serious plans to move somewhere like Norway, maybe, which is what a lot of people have said is sort of the northern hemispheres, New Zealand, um, basically where I can get <laughs> immense mountainous beauty just right on my doorstep. So for you, how how did you feel in Juneau, which is I think how you say it <laughs> in Juneau when yep. you saw the glacier? Thank you. When you saw the glacier for the first time from the trailhead 10 minutes from your home. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It, it's just wild. Like you just don't, I didn't know anything about Juno really before moving there and just seeing these mountains and these like vast glaciers just blew my mind. Um, and also learning about, you know, how much they've melted honestly, since like, even in the last 10 years, like seeing how huge they are now and just thinking about what they used to be. It's pretty mm. wild. Yeah. But, and I thinking of it like that, do you see it as a sort of a positive breathtaking and also a negative breathtaking only in that it, it, I get the impression it must be beautiful to think, wow, how big were they? But then kind of sad to think, oh, wow, how big yeah. were they? Definitely a lot of sadness. Uh, whenever I take friends that came up and visited me to the visitor center there to see the glacier and learn about, you know, how much damage we've caused in the last 10 years it's you know it's crazy to learn about it and it's it's beautiful and breathtaking but then we always have to go out for a beer after because it's just so it's devastating yeah yeah that's a good way to to burn off the uh, sadness yeah <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, so this one kind of actually touches on what we just spoke about. Um, so there's a musician called Victor Wooten, and he's quoted his mother in this sort of graduation speech that I watched once. He says, what does the world need with another musician? There are already so many good ones. What the world needs is good people. With that in mind, I'm really inspired by your ongoing encouragement and awareness towards being environmentally friendly and using the platforms that you have grown to promote this, which tells me that you're clearly not just another blogger, you're a good person. What do you think that we could be doing more of to help this when we're out on trails? When out on trails, I mean, definitely if you see trash, pick it up. Or if you see someone that's not, you know, practicing trail etiquette, that's, you know, pretty major to educate them in a non like shaming way. I feel like there's a lot of (laughs) shaming out there and it's just, it's not effective. It's not a good way to, to teach somebody. So just, just be there for people in their journey of education. Cause I mean, everyone starts somewhere, you know, you don't just, (laughs) you're not born with like leave no trace principles in your mind. Like you got to learn somehow. (laughs) So just being aware and being kind, but like educating. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, being being kind because you're right. There's a lot yeah. of shaming. People are quick to get the camera out and make a viral Facebook video, I think. Totally. So I've got two more before we get into some wrap-up questions. And the penultimate question, I, I was thinking back to you leaving Michigan and I was wondering what crucial lessons have you learned in recent times that you wish you had known when you took that month long trip, leaving Michigan and arriving in Washington? Oh man, there's so many different things like travel related, just how to do it a lot cheaper and what gear to have and what, you know, apps to use to find hikes. I mean, there's just so many things in trail wise and like trail knowledge that I've learned since then that I would do differently, but also just, you know, in, not being as afraid to you know stay somewhere without amenities and I think those lessons have been valuable for me too and I was thinking in terms of blogging are, are there other ter- are there other things that you've picked up on like how better to journal and not leave the moment you're in or yeah I think I love watching sunsets too and I think for me to bring watercolors along and and journal on the back of it that's been really good for me to kind of take a moment where I'm not super fixated on getting photos or like you know videos all the time or something just kind of okay I'm here I'm backpacking you know I'm enjoying this I'm just gonna drink my little boxed wine and and paint (laughs) so (laughs) I mean I think there's a lot of different ways that people can kind of be present and that's just one of mine yeah I know that you yeah you said that you bring a point and shoot camera a lot more so just to just to be there yeah, or film camera. I've been enjoying that. It's very intentional. Yes. Yeah. No, that that brings such a analog quality. I think. Mm-hmm. So, last question. So, your story and career so far is is I genuinely mean it. Truly inspiring, both to us and uh, to your clients. I, I reckon. In honesty, correct me if I'm wrong. But from Michigan to California, what is one moment that you would love to relive? Ooh, I think, so when I first left Michigan, we drove out, you know, of the Midwest, it was very flat, there was nothing to see, spent a couple of days in Colorado with friends, and then drove the whole next day through the night to into Utah, which mm-hmm. that was my first time being in Utah, but it was dark, I couldn't see anything. And, 
you know, rolling up into the camps, campground, kind of setting up our tent. And then that first moment when I opened up my tent in the morning uh, and seeing the sun just kind of like paint the canyon, just bright orange. I, it just, I, I gasped. It was, it just blew my mind. Perfect. Perfect. So into some wrap up questions. At time of recording, we are in lockdown, like I said, and that, that got me thinking. Let's say you have transport to get to one location. Of all the fantastic places you have and you haven't been, where are you going and why? Where would I go? Oh, man, <laughs> that's such a hard question. Like, if I could go anywhere right now? Yeah, and there's no one there as well because lockdown. Oh, my gosh. I would, I mean, Utah, I keep going back to, like, there's just so much to explore there, not even in the national parks, just, like, all of the the forest land and um, BLM land, just everything there. I would, I could spend months there. <laughs> For sure. So um, I've got, perfect. I've got friends who live in Salt Lake City, and they I went and saw them as a kid and I remember getting to the salt plains and running just for what felt it obviously wasn't I was a kid but it felt like <laughs> hours of sprinting with Joe just for ages and turning around and just my my mum just being a tiny dot in the distance because oh they're just gosh. so fast and then they live up in the mountains and they said they got mountain lions coming down every now and then which is just wow insane. but um but yeah while you're on your way to Utah what are three non-negotiable tracks playing in the car? <laughs> oh, boy. I have a whole playlist. I would have to even... Oh, gosh. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> three non-negotiable tracks. Oh, there'd have to be some karaoke too, I feel. Like Boston. You know, I'd have to, <laughs> I'll have to come back to that one. I don't, I don't know. I can't think of them off the top of my head. I have too many. <laughs> Well, if you think of any before we finish, then feel feel free to chime in and, and say. Will do. So I was thinking as well, if you were going on a solo trip and you could only bring one one of these things, would you bring your ukulele or your paints? Ooh, paints. For sure. Yeah, Especially definitely. Because it's just a better way for me to kind of journal along the way. Perfect. And I think maybe at the Grand Canyon on that sunrise, that would have been a, an insane thing. Yes. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> There's not enough orange to get to the shop. <laughs> I know. I ran out of orange and red. <laughs> <laughs> so, last one. You've clearly got an astounding love for nature. Uh, and if you could only have one thing around you on a hike between the mountains, would you choose stunning trees, plants and vegetation all in bloom? Or unique and wonderful wildlife? I, I think the plants. The plants. I really, I have an app that you can take pictures of plants and it'll tell you about it and what it is. And I, I've really been kind of getting into that. So I'm going to choose the plants. Perfect. Well, listen, Missa, thank you so much for coming onto the podcast. Um, yeah, I mentioned at the start that you've got MissRover.com and you are at Miss.Rover on Instagram. But during the the interview as well, you mentioned your vlog on Banff on YouTube. Is that going to be something that you're putting more and more content onto? That's the goal. <laughs> we'll see. But yeah, I have that um, a video tab in my on my website as well, where you can find those. 
Perfect. Well, what I'll do as well is I'll put that all in the show notes too, so people can uh, can click onto the website from from the description of the podcast and go from there. But Melissa, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's fun. So I really hope you enjoyed that episode. I certainly did. It was fantastic to sit down and just have a chat, find out a bit more about Melissa. And I hope you learned something too and found it interesting as well. Remember to hit subscribe or follow, share it with a friend if you really would like to. And if you want to come on the show, then email me btmtravelpod at gmail.com. And if you want to join in with the community, you can do that on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at btmtravelpod. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you have a fantastic day and I'll see you in the next one.